0: What's up guys, welcome back to Square Zeros. I'm Derek Hawkins. And I'm John Mann.
1: And for those of you who've turned in before, you know Square Zeros as a podcast where we interview musicians
0: about their earliest recordings. We've also got this feature on our website called Indefensa. This is a kind of op-ed column where we invite contributors to make formal arguments in favor of songs, bands, musicians, other types of music that they feel need defending. Now, all of these columns end up being controversial for one reason or another but a recent column ignited a firestorm on social media, got a lot of people talking. The column was In Defense of Dashboard confessional, and it was written by our good friend Alexandra Smith. She's a Brooklyn-based writer and poet, and we invited her onto the show to expand upon it because there was so much discussion already happening around this.
1: Right, so what follows is a lightly edited version of our conversation where we talked about her piece, some other bands that are associated with what we might call emo and by basically you know beginning by asking Alexandra break down what your basic argument is regarding emo
2: whatever it is you don't like about emo is whatever it is you don't like about yourself I'm just going to throw that out there. Okay.
1: Okay. So you're sort of psychoanalyzing us. I
2: think our emo ourselves.
1: (laughs) Okay. So what what was your, uh, so in the case of Dashboard Confessional, how does that play out for you?
2: For me? Oh man. The secondhand embarrassment, like listening to those songs, the earnestness, the rawness, like that's shit you don't put out in public. Like that's stuff you're supposed to write in your diary and keep to yourself. Um, I had a hard time doing that as a teenager, which is why I liked Dashboard Confessional so much. It Spoke to me. Someone, someone was brave enough to put that out there, and I, I, I do think it's brave. Um, as an adult, difficult to listen to.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Now, did you have a specific record that you'd to more than others? I mean, were you, uh, were you one of these adherents? I think a lot of times, you know, you get these musical arguments where it's like, well, he was really great until X. Like were you did you just like all of it or did you have like did you have a, a darling?
2: I mean, Swiss Army Romance was my favorite. Um, but my favorite song was Hands Down, which is actually his happiest song. Um, I stopped listening to Dashboard after he went electric. That wasn't really my thing. <laughs> like Bob Dylan, he
1: you broke your heart.
2: Exactly. Um,
0: when Bob Dylan started rapping. Also Was that when you stopped listening to him?
2: <laughs> I maybe grew out of it a little bit. I, you know, I was a, I was a dyed in the wool emo kid.
0: Now, now, wait to turn to turn your argument back on yourself. Did you grow out of it, or was there something about yourself that you stopped liking?
1: Ooh.
0: Playing an armchair. That's actually here. a really
2: good point. Um, no, when I, I mean when I went away to college. um you know in high school i had been like the emo kid you know i was i was voted most dramatic in our high school year was that really your
0: senior superlative? that was really
2: my senior superlative which i think was like a joke among my friends but um you know that was like for me i was like whoa that's what people really think of me like that's that's not who i want to be so like when i went away to college you know that was something I put away and I put into my diary. And yeah, definitely, I, th- I think like, to turn my argument back on me, um, absolutely.
1: What I loved about this interview was how Alexander came out on the offensive, like ju- right out the gate, you know, yeah. like <laughs> kind of challenging the entire basis of why someone might not like emo or why someone might like emo and then divorce themselves from that decision later.
0: Yeah, and in a way, that's very square zeros. People coming on the show, we ask them to share old songs that they've long abandoned, old lyric books, that sort of thing. This is the stuff that you cringe at when you find it in your closet in your parents' house or in a box in the basement somewhere. So she's asking us to do the same thing with our adolescent emotions and maybe accept them as Part of what we are, not to get too deep into it, sure. But at the same point, it's kind
1: of a straw man, <laughs> you know. To an extent, <laughs> it's like, yes, you're absolutely right. I think there's a greater question of what we don't like about emo or what we might call emo. But the point here is, you're defending Dashboard Confessional to us, yes. so we, <laughs> you know, we asked her, you know, what is it exactly about Dashboard Confessional that you liked at the time? Um, since the article was largely about what you can still defend about Dashboard Confessional now,
2: well not all of us were tough as shit and cool when we were in high school some of us were really not cool and not tough as shit and like did feel like we went unnoticed you know as like a chubby teenage girl who didn't do very well with the guys spoke a lot to me um was also like oh yeah maybe there are guys out there like this who feel this way too I ended up dating one of them. I dated him for three years, like, he was into it, too. Um, it it was a thing. I don't know, it was the early 2000s, that was when, like, metrosexual, and, yeah. like, those words were, like, that concept was first coming into, um, you know, our consciousness. But I think also, a lot of what his music, I think, spoke to, too, is this feeling of loneliness that I know... Not really for me, um, but a lot of my friends who came from families where they weren't really appreciated, or you know their parents were fighting a lot, or their parents were mean to them. Um, I think that really spoke to people too. I think there's, you know, everyone fixates on Dashboard Confessional about like how much of like a sad bastard he was about women, but I I think it's pretty pretty applicable to other situations and I think that it, it, there's this loneliness that I think you feel when you're a teenager and this sort of feeling of being misunderstood that I think that's what really spoke to people. I, that's what spoke to me for sure.
1: Sure, uh, we, and we've discussed this a little bit after, after you, the pub- publication of, your, <laughs> of your, uh, your in defense of. And it, it occurred to me, too, I was thinking about, you know, I was like, well, why Dashboard? You know, we were having this conversation. Why Dashboard? Why Chris Caraba Why is he the poster boy for this stuff? And I remember thinking, you know, like, is it just that nobody else on Vagrant or Saddle Creek or whatever have you, was that, was he the logical extreme? And I remember thinking, maybe. But what about something like Pedro the Lion? You know, like, that guy, you know, like, I'm the one who always calls, you know, like things like that. I was like, you know, he was equally bare, you know, like laid bare and raw and things like that. But I was realizing again, like, what is it that we, about this that you don't like about yourselves? Like he was a little more adult and a little more like depressive. And there's almost something in Pedro the line that you're like, I can take that to something adult and respectable, like elliot smith at least like spiritually right whereas like something like you know chris caraba it's like who's he looking at you know
2: exactly who's he
1: listening to exactly where is he getting this from and is it is it teenage stuff and this is what was he 28
2: well and also who's he talking to I think that's an important question, too, is who is he talking to? It always seemed like...
1: To you, apparently. Well,
2: I mean, clearly Very directly. Directly. Tin can phone to your heart. Very directly to me. Um, But I think in terms of why he became sort of um, the figurehead for, you know, what I guess we should call second wave emo from like, you know, 98 to 2005, um... He didn't have the same edge. I would argue that a lot of the other bands did. Like you could see where like Saves the Day, for example, came out of they like they came out of punk. They have a very punk sound, especially mm. in the first two albums. Absolutely. Um, the Get I Up mean, Kids.
0: The, cancel Down is is borrowing directly from the first two, the only two lifetime albums.
2: Right, right. Um, and you know, the Get Up Kids borrow from Superchunk. These are bands that have, like, you know, they call back to something that I think most people would argue isn't necessarily in need of defense. Whereas Dashboard Confessional is like this handsome guy with an acoustic guitar singing about how girls don't like him and nobody understands him. Um, As an adult woman, now I'm like, oh, you're totally like the nice guy stereotype. Um, That's what he was, absolutely. But I think for teenagers, teenage girls in particular, teenage girls who felt like they didn't fit in with most of the other teenage women, or not teenage women, teenage girls around them, um, I can totally see why he became a star. Like, here's this guy singing about how sad he is that, like, you're not calling him and how, like, you're not noticing him. That's what, like, every teen girl and I think a lot of teen boys too want like they want someone to be noticing them and to be sad you know about them I yeah I think that's why he became the figurehead and also his lyrics are arguably way more melodramatic than every other band with the exception of maybe saves the day they like to talk about choking a lot (laughs)
0: <laughs> so
2: they do. they do they do like they don't. love they love people
1: joking. they love choking people and people choking on things
0: <laughs> and body parts especially yeah, internal very, organs very
1: visceral yeah
0: well you know before before we move on to the next section uh i think uh alexander made a really interesting point there that the reason chris garaba gets beat up on the reason he's worthy of an in defense of or at least one reason or one reason is because he got beat up on. He was beat up on because he was the guy who made it. And the numbers really support that. Swiss Army Romance is a classic, an underground classic for the genre. And then the subsequent three albums all went gold, which is really impressive for a whiny little guy from Florida. Who was on Vagrant. He was
1: on an independent label. Yeah, on an independent label. Um, So that led us to ask ourselves, you know, well, are there other bands that had... It seems like no one had that sort of success, but did anyone have maybe comparable success or follow a similar trajectory? And, you know, Alexandra got right into it. She she knew where we were going. We were going to save the day, right? Um, save the day. Derek, you, you've got a little more information on Saves the Day.
0: Yeah, same thing. And they were contemporaries of Dashboard Confessional. Can't slow down. Uh, I think is regarded. I think it's safe to say, especially at this point, how many fifteen years out or whatever? Yeah. Wow. That 16. it's an underground classic for the style through being cool was a seminal pop punk album, Everybody and then their had, following yeah. albums, uh, Stay What You Are in Reverie, uh, etc., uh, all did really well. Didn't go gold, but sold in the hundreds of thousands and charted. So, um, and you could argue
1: that people started kind of talking shit as things went on as they became more popular,
0: yes, and you. Will still go to bat. I will, and I will, I will too, to an extent. But you had some words about Saves the Day. Absolutely,
1: no. I mean, I still listen to Saves the Day fairly regularly. I mean, can't slow down. Even Derek, again, Derek's the Derek's the <laughs> the most the most uh, you know hardcore of the three of us, quite clearly, in both both music and, and just how I live my life, man. But. Um, uh, and so I mean, obviously, and he's also again. Uh, it's funny to hear him talk about the only two lifetime records as if lifetime didn't get back together and put out another A album record in the, in the last ten that. years. Because for Derek, it is all about that early moment. It is all about that that sort of '90s stuff, which is which I'm is totally. That
2: part. <laughs> you better which not. Totally,
1: which is totally fine. Um, for me, I it's funny because I actually came in on "Saves the Day" on uh, through being cool, which. I'll, I'll admit, dude, if you have the gatefold right now, have you seen the album for Through Being Cool? It is the most embarrassing shit imaginable. Like, it's that picture on the front, and they're all four, and their emo is shit, and they're sitting on the couch at the party, and they're not having any fun. They're sitting with each other. And then on the inside, it's these really pretty pictures of them being like, hey, where's this guy? And it's like a story that you flip through, and it's like, oh, there he is. He was, like, talking to this girl. And it's, like, it's so embarrassing. Like, it's the worst, most embarrassing liner notes I think I've ever seen.
0: Now, now, see, then I I don't remember that, and it's stuff like that that makes me through being cool never really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the I think I'm a rare exception where like I I dug Can't Slow down. I like really really got into cancel down, and I got into stay what you are. I I think I I, I know stay what you are better than I know through being cool. Mm. Like I looked at it and I saw that kind of stuff, and I was like, this is just they're jumping the shark on this one, man. They're going they're too emo for me there's... but like
2: stay what you are had that fucking cover where it's like a field and like beautiful glowing light that's the pussiest shit i've ever seen
1: <laughs> yeah i'm getting called out <laughs> yeah no and, and i mean there's definitely a lot it's definitely a lot softer of a, of a record but it's also more mature of a record like stay where, stay where you are is where people started being like oh this is a band that's like evolving and maturing there's also this trick with saves the day i feel like where and it's especially on the first three records. Well, you can't say it about the first record because it's the first record, but on Through Being Cool, the last song, Banned from the Back Porch, could have been a really good cut off of the previous record, Can't yeah. Slow Down. And then Firefly, the last track on Stay What You Are, could have been a really good track off of Through Being Cool. It's like they pushed in a new direction in to some extent and matured to some extent. And then we're like, but we still got it at the end, just in case you're concerned. And then, like, put like back ended it with their best, best song I think Band from the Porch" is the best song on Through Being Cool and I think Firefly is the one that I enjoy the most Off Stay What You Are I think Jukebox Breakdown still has like an awesome that guitar hook I think is still great and like there's some kind of like catchy stuff on there um, I feel like for all the emo girls I knew Freakish was the one because he sang with the uh, falsetto
2: See, it was all about at your funeral for me. That song, I think that song shreds. I think that song rips. I like the lyrics yeah. are so melodramatic, but like the whole thing about like being the pig with the apple <laughs> stuck know, in his mouth. I know he's gruesome. Like I mean, that, he's really gruesome. The one that celebrates. Your the one yeah. that celebrates you know the the what's funny? The food that celebrates your death. Okay, like, the
0: whoa. same week that I bought the same week that I bought Stay What You Are in high school. I remember this. I bought a Cradle of Filth record. <laughs> 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 okay, I, th- th- my metal cred. All right, now I bought a Cradle of Filth record because I, I dug Cradle of Filth. And in cradle, the cra- I can't remember what the Cradle of Filth for record the fact was that called. That's what you
2: are is his favorite Saves the Day album. Just well, dropping some metal cred. This
0: is the connection that I made. This is why it was meaningful to me. The Cradle of Filth record, in, on like the insert or something, they, the band is sitting around a table and there's a woman on a platter with an apple in her mouth. And I, remember being, and I remember being like, wow, like, Cradle of Filth got this picture. Chris Conley's got these lyrics. Like, it's kind of crazy. And then you have, like, As Your Ghost Takes Flight, which is the one I really liked off of Stay What You Are. Mm. And as your body sags and the stench rises in vain, the peop, the, the <laughs> people in the, on the street, street are collecting and dis- display. display you for the neighbors so they know your time had come. That's some brutal shit. I am your blood. it dripping down my throat. Yeah, dude. That that <laughs> shit was brutal. But then, like, but the, the reason why, what I like about Can't Slow Down is what I like about, what I still like about Lifetime, what I like really find enduring about Lifetime this blend of melody and aggression that you really didn't get a whole lot in a whole lot of instances before Lifetime. Saves the day to, I mean, I, I'll, I think Lifetime has more staying power, but. What I dug about Can't Slow Down is they were riffing on that. It's a, a, they lifted a lot from that, and it's totally cool. But you have songs like Deciding, the opening perfect, cut, which perfect, is a fucking perfect song, yeah, like a yeah, perfect yeah. melodic hardcore perfect. song. Like, if you're going like, to do a Ken Burns, like the essential melodic hardcore, <laughs> yeah. like that's on it. That's on it, but also like half of Hello Bastards. Right, sure.
1: And I think, too, uh, something that, that I would credit uh, Saves the Day with, it's also this really interesting thing. I was thinking about this more, and I, I haven't actually run this this theory past you guys yet. But think about it. Okay, so, like, punk happens in, like, 77, and then it's like, I, one of the things that we get out of punk is that, like, anybody can be a musician. Like, most of those bands were like, oh, I saw a punk band play, and we became a punk band because we realized that was an option. Um, then you start to get into the era of home recording, maybe more towards the end of the 80s, early 90s. And now you've got this scenario where, in a way you could almost say it was like a technological probability that kids were going to start recording their own music and the younger those kids were able to get, the more likely it was going to be that you were gonna have a genesis of something like Emo.
0: So I thought that was a great observation and one that I a connection that I hadn't made yet. Uh, up until that point. It's almost tautological to say so, though, but emo is definitely a product of its environment, a product of the technology, a product of the personalities that were making it, and it makes sense that emo happened when it did. That in itself is not a defense of emo, though.
1: Right. No. I mean, just saying that something made it, or that something... Existed because, to a large extent, emo didn't make it. Um, Although you could say, you know, it had an afterlife in bands like Weezer and things like that that became more popular. Um, Is not no, definitely not. You know, congruent with just saying, you know, it's quality. You know, it's not parallel to saying it's it's just quality music. Um, And there are questions about, you know, how much of this message might have been authentic. How much of this really? I, I always have this question: Is like, did you really ever feel? that wildly where your passion's so drastic. It's al- it's almost like reading like 19th century Russian literature where everyone's crazy. You know, it's like reading Tolstoy. It's like <laughs> nobody ever reacts to something.
0: You just compared emo to Tolstoy.
1: Right, but you know what I'm saying, like no one ever reacts in a normal way. Right. And you
2: I You have wonder, to gouge
1: out
0: someone's eyes. You have to hang them on a cross <laughs> in your front yard, you know, like that's not normal to me. And the lingering question for me and my I think my biggest dig on uh, the genre's legacy is how much did it just give rise to this male solipsism? Right, <laughs> right. Now, Lexi had an interesting take on that. Now it's a very nuanced one. It has some staying power for her, and for reasons that might not have occurred to you and me. No,
1: not as not as uh, you know, young male solipsists in the suburbs <laughs> <laughs> in the late '90s. <laughs>
2: As a girl listening to those songs when I was like, you know, when I was a teenager, um, I really liked it because most of the teenage boys I knew could not express any kind of emotion to me at all. Um, so it was really cool to listen to like these guys that were like, "I like this girl so much. I watched her in her sleep. Like, I'm." or, like, from Dashboard, like, I'm missing your hair, I never sleep. What? What even does that, like, as an adult? (laughs) Like, as an adult, I'm like, what does that even mean? But as a teenage girl, like, I was like, oh, man, like, this this girl is so important to him. This is, maybe this is how guys really feel, and they can't can't talk about it. But now, as an adult woman, yeah, it does seem like, it's like nice guy crap. Like, you know, the guy, (laughs) it it is, it is, like, the guy that's like, I, you know, I did this thing that you didn't ask me to do for you, and now you're not giving me a blow job, so you're a bitch. Like it is, <laughs> it is along that line, yeah. um, which is very confusing to me because this was so important to me as a teenager, and now I'm like, oh, if a guy ever said this to me, like, I don't know what I would do. They, they,
0: it's like they use their vulnerability. To yes. receive concessions.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Now, there's one... Now, okay, John and I try to be neutral you know, observers in all this, and we don't let our true feelings show too often. Um, <clears throat> but there's one that I have a lot of questions about, that I revisited, that actually originated... This whole idea originated in a discussion that the three of us and one friend of ours... Uh, Colin, if you're listening. We're having on Facebook... Oh, Colin will listen. After... <laughs> Colin, shout out Hi, to Colin. Colin Atkinson. Red States. Um, we were having on Facebook, uh, uh, that was stimulated by your article, uh, by your excellent op-ed on Dashboard Confessional, Alkaline Trio. Alkaline Trio, to me, o- occupies a really problematic zone where these guys, it appears were at least well into their twenties when they started making this type of music, and certainly continued well into their thirties. Um, Alkaline Trio, gothy, emo, punk. Uh, I I mean I loved them when I was a kid because because for, for that exact reason because they were the angrier, more bitter, more pathetic side.
2: Yeah, and even their, like, love songs about girls were kind of gruesome, too. Like, clavicle. Like, that's a weird thing to sing about. Nose even over, a
0: love song is Nose over
2: of... tail. Like, you're like a plane crash. You're so in love with somebody.
0: Well, also, so desperate. I mean, the f- opening lyric... I, I, guess I have to, sing I it have to clean Sing it for us. Come
2: on, do it. Crack my head open on your yeah. kitchen
0: floor. To so prove to you that I have brains. It's like... That's the same thing. Like... Just, I'm going to splay myself in front of you. It's so earnest. Because I don't know how else to do it. Yeah,
2: I don't know how to get you to like me, so I'm just going to gut myself and hope that, like, this attracts you somehow.
1: But again, it seems like such a... It's funny that you guys did it that way, though, because to me that seems such, like... I don't know, it rings false to me, like, oh, I have the exact same feelings in there as, like, a Chris Caraba. I'm aiming for the exact same thing, but I want it to kind of sound tough, so I, like put it in these terms of like oh i'm gonna like gash myself open to like show you how much you mean to me thrice did that shit thrice (laughs) did that too where they're like i would like pull apart my ribs so that you could understand thrice was talking about how my heart does it and stuff i don't know what does it matter dude (laughs) i mean at the end of the day it's still just like it's still just this sort of like blind worship that like takes different forms. I don't yeah. know. It's inter- it was interesting to me to I was, I was you, know, you know when we were having this conversation it was interesting to me that for these two you know for Derek and, and Alexandra Alkaline Trio and for Colin especially who has an Alkaline Trio tattoo he's a true believer um, like it was they were such a they were such a factor and for me I was like what's amazing to me is I just never they were never put in front of me like how was it that I went from. Thirteen to twenty or whatever, and like no one ever put on Alkaline Trio. We were like hanging out in their backyard, or put it on. We were like playing video games in their mom's basement, or like put it on in their car while we were driving somewhere. Or like put it on at the pool. Like how were they such a non-starter to me? And Colin lived in my town. You guys only lived a couple hours away, um, and they and somehow they didn't get to me. Um, I was saying I was telling the guys ahead of time. I have one anecdote about Alkaline Trio, and it is that in my maybe after the summer after my first year of college i went to warp door in virginia which was in virginia beach at the virginia beach amphitheater and i remember seeing this girl that i knew from college that i met my first year of college who was like really cute and probably kind of an emo chick and i was like I had seen her in classes and stuff. I like We knew each other from sight, but we hadn't really talked. And I saw her at Warped Tour and was like, oh, holy shit. And I was like, who are you here to see? And she was like, I'm getting ready to go see Alkaline Trio. And I was like, I don't know anything about them. And she was like, they're like my favorite band. You should come. And I walked over. I was in the middle of the pit. I had somebody got dropped skull to skull on top of me. Ooh. And I like basically stumbled out and was like, hey, this is a sweet band. I think I'm going to go like collect myself for a while and she was like yeah dude that was brutal like take off and then i like never saw that girl again so ah, like so ah. even my experience of alkaline trio is like sort of maybe the stuff of emo songs and absolutely like, but was also like just that little edge of brutal maybe it was a very fitting introduction to alkaline trio but i never cared to like re-engage
2: it's really hard to pinpoint what it was about them that I liked so much. I mean, like, Matt Skiba's voice is really raw. There's that one song where he's like, and in the right place at the right time we'll be something something and we'll be just fine. Dead wrong and
0: we'll be just fine. Yeah,
2: like, there, there's something about I think that's Private Eye, too. It's so catchy, and you just, like, you feel it. I, I don't yeah. know, like, you just, you feel they, it.
0: They're, they're catchy. They're nothing if not catchy. Yeah. Now, like, yeah, in, in retrospect, I'm... You know, I I can't... My problem is I, looking back, I understand why I list them at that point, but I am struggling to find things about them that endure for me and that matter to me still. And that's my problem. And it's because they have spent so many albums hacking apart, electrocuting, drowning, murdering girlfriends. They've spent so many albums being desperate and pathetic and drunk and hungover when is this going to end guys like one ray of light would be really cool would change things i i don't understand why it keeps going why nothing's changed
2: but you don't think that like nose over tail or clavicle was a ray of light i mean i feel like every album has at least one song on it god damn
0: it has more of them
2: yeah God but damn it! it is they, arguably their most earnest album too. It has the least dead bodies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fewest dead bodies, yeah. But then there's like, fuck. Um, they my have, little needle. They have uh, this one cool song, song, song that uh, I, I want to talk about. Rock. Uh, and then there's two awful acoustic songs. But then I have, didn't say awful. They have those two acoustic songs that I don't like as much as I did before. They
2: have this one song that still to this day and I did listen to it recently it still holds up maybe I'll catch fire which is like that's got to be like the most emo statement of all time like that's the chorus of the song is that like maybe I'll catch fire and that would be a good thing um I, I don't know, when you're pissed off or, like, upset as a teenager, like, it feels like the world is fucking ending. Like, you, you don't have the emotional intelligence to understand that in 30 minutes this feeling is going to be gone. And I think that's what resonated with me about those songs and, like, probably also helped me stay in a bad mood for a really fucking long time. <laughs> But it felt like it felt like validation because I feel like as a teenager and for me as a teenage girl, like in particular, the anger of teenage girls is never validated. It's just drama, it's you know, it's just teenage yeah. girls being teenage girls. So for me to go and listen to that and like be in my room by myself and be like there's someone else who feels like this out there, like it it was helpful. It made me feel understood. Well, that's a really interesting thought that it would be something like
1: great. This was a really rad experience. Um, thank you again, Alexandra, for coming on and talking with us about your article. For anybody who hasn't seen the article yet, obviously it's great. Um, you can find it at www.squarezeros.com, along with a host of other in defense of articles that we've had from a host of, you know, music writers, music lovers.
0: And if you'd like to come on the show yourself, defend a piece of music that you feel is generally maligned, or unrepresentative of some larger body of work, you're welcome to do so. Please just shoot us an email at squarezeros at gmail.com. I am Derek Hawkins. And I'm John
1: Mann. And thank you again for tuning in. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next time.
0: Hey, John, before this is over, do you want to name check a bunch of emo bands that didn't get mentioned in this uh, little
1: podcast? You pist- mean so you mean so we'll get trolled by calling somebody's favorite band an emo band? Yeah. Okay, yeah, you
0: start. Jester Brazil.
1: Uh, Jimmy World. Oh, we actually have, stay tuned, we have, uh, Jamie Frey from the Brooklyn What, writing an in, in defense of Jimmy World, Lead American, coming out soon. Word. Uh. Jawbreaker. You're just, you're just doing Schwarzenegger. Uh, Hot Rod, Circuit
0: Reggie and the Full Effect Bright Eyes. Thursday.
1: What is the Thursday knockout band? There's a band that sounded like Thursday, but there was shit. Fitch. What was that? shitty uh <laughs> finch knockoff <laughs> Chevelle Chevelle we were a shitty finch knockoff uh let's get somebody good uh text is the reason
0: touche get up kids
1: okay yeah uh we definitely talked about them whether it made it into the podcast or not uh new amsterdam's was the new Amsterdam, that was prior new side prior project side, fallout boy oh god uh brand new taking back sunday Taking Back Sunday, they had beef with brand new. Did you know that? I can only imagine. It was explained what, to what me What is recently. beef between emo, emo bands? A stolen girlfriend, I what? believe. <laughs> between. I think that's it. And I think that song, like, cut from the team or whatever, like, with the parentheses around cut, it's, like, cute from the team or whatever, like, whatever that shit is. Gross. That's, I think, I think a song about, like, that dude stealing the other dude's girlfriend, which reminds me of cute is what we aim for. Ah, which is how about? I don't recall ever listening to. Alex is on fire. Was it Was it Alexis on Fire? Did we ever figure that out as a generation?
0: I don't know. know, One of the great mysteries.
1: Appleseed cast.
0: The anniversary. I actually like it. I actually like the anniversary.
1: I actually like Drive Like Jamie.